Good to have you this morning. Thank you for being with us. And, uh, you know, this is really, this is a privilege to share with you this morning. And, and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get right into this. I need the clicker. I didn't see that. Is that clicker over there by you, Tyler? There it is. Holy clicker. Thank you. So, how many of you know what Tuesday is? What is it? What is it? Valentine's Day. I heard somebody. Y'all trying to be funny, aren't you? So I'm going to get in. You know, it's really interesting because I've been, I've been teaching this series. Today's part three on swept off my feet. And I thought, what a great time and everything converged. So I wanted to give you some help for your Valentine's Day because some of you men really need help. Right? Thank you. Some of you men really need help with this. I mean, I have seen some men that I know do some really bad and dumb things for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of go through some things that really, you know, that men really would just like your heart will leap out of your chest but this is probably not the best gift so when you go shopping those are heartfelt heart-shaped steak i mean i mean think about it no seriously a man would go that's awesome and the women are going oh my god you you could put anything in a heart-shaped box. Or here's a here's instead of roses it's dye. How about bacon roses? That's what those are. Those are made out of bacon. Getting ready for bacon fest. So I think, you know, if you're going to get roses, get bacon roses. Now going back to the heart-shaped thing, here's chocolate is so overdone. These are chicken McNuggets with four sauces. No, it's not a good idea. Here, if you're having struggles in your relationship and he just, and he just doesn't seem to get it, get him this. The light might come. I saw this. I'm like, that's perfect. No, that's not a good idea. But I like it. All right. And then uh, Tuesday, I'm going to invite all of you. You got to call and make reservations with me. But I've already got mine. And Terry and I have made reservations. And that's where we're headed Tuesday night. No joke. They put roses on the table. And here's the good news. If you buy the value meal, you and her can get out of there for under 10 bucks. 
So, so join us there Tuesday night, and uh, then probably won't see you again till Sunday when you'll need some prayer and medication. So anyway, those are not, that's just fun. I would never take my wife to White Castle for Valentine's Day. You know, I'm, I'm classier than that. Last year we went to Arby's, didn't we? All right, so we're going on here today to part three of Swept Off My Feet. And, um, and I, this is a really, again, this is, this is an important time in this, this message because, um, you know, I, I shared what someone last week came up to me after the message last week because God, God has used that to just dislodge some things. You know, in in talking about uh, your value and your identity and how you've got to find it in Jesus and quit trying to find it in a relationship. You know, if if you're single today, you know, Valentine's Day is probably one of the roughest days of the year because it it really makes a single person feel like they're incomplete. And I don't think single people are incomplete at all i i think i think that single people um are kind of given the idea that there's something missing and uh, you know my daughter got married last year and she was 35 and people would just say things like how come you're not married yet and to a single person, you know, like that, that, that inflected kind of a, a bad thing. And when Valentine's Day, she, she did a hilarious thing, was really good on YouTube with her pastor down there, Amy. You should look at it if you're single. And Terry can get you to the link. But it's, um, because, you know, uh, the idea is that there's something missing in your life. And we talked about last week that, Many people try to fill these needs in their life with people. And, and we set people up for failure. They'll always come short of your expectation. And you'll always set them up to fail because nobody can meet these deepest needs in you. And, um, and so as we get into this today, this is a really important thing. And I knew, I, I, I knew and had this this whole thing kind of laid out and um and and so will you just will you go along with me because i believe there's a breakthrough for some folks here today too and um i want to i just this idea of you know swept off your feet I, i you know i don't want you to get the idea that i'm i'm all about this like falling in love thing See, I don't believe that you just fall in love. In fact, falling is kind of a dangerous thing. <laughs> roll, roll up here, Don. Let him see why. Come on up here. Here's what happens when you fall. See, Don's got this cast on her leg. 
I have the picture. I would never show it because it would, you know, it would make some people who have weak. But I love to collect pictures like this. I call it my injury hall of fame. I've, I have a few of my own injuries in there. You know, I won't go into them, but they're. I have the picture of this. She fell. How how many? How far did you fall? Three feet, three feet, but snapped, snapped the bone, and it's been now how long? So November, so we're uh, December, January, we're into February. It's been almost three months of a couple of surgeries, a couple of, a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, a lot of, you, you pray for Dawn because this thing, has got the heel right, or or sometimes you know they have to go back in. If, if you ever had, you know, they have to go back in and re-break it and reset it and things like that. I mean, it's you know because broken bones. How many of you know broken bones hurt? How many of you know that? Thanks, Don. You can. I should. You know, we should make you do laps around here. Here's the. Here's the point that falling hurts. And see, I don't believe you fall in love. I believe love is a decision. You know, love, the, 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 the uh, concept that we have of love has set us all up for a lot of hurt and a lot of failure. I know it makes for a good movie when you fall in love, but they, but, but they don't show the broken hearts and the, you know, the movie usually ends, you know, because it's a movie has this moment, then it turns and then they all live happily ever after. But love is a decision and I want to, I want to get into that because, because you should have a vision you should have a vision for your life and then everything that comes into your life should flow into that vision. Even your relationships. If you're, if you're, if you're dating someone who isn't of the same heart and the same mind as you, then you're not in agreement. And how can two walk together lest they be agreed? So if that person isn't helping you come closer and closer to your vision, then ultimately they're going to derail your vision. God, how many of you know God doesn't bring people into your life so you get derailed? He brings people and wants to have people in your life that will help get you to your destination. Hello? And the most powerful thing, now let, let me just... Say a few things here, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this and 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 preach a little bit. But I want you to I want to set this precedent here for you, set this foundation. Life is all about vision. You know, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, "Without a vision, people perish." So, vision is what you see on the inside. Vision is, is something you see more than with your eyes. It's beyond your circumstance. It's, it's a vision. It's, a, it's what you see that God is doing in you 
and 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 what your life is all about and it, it's what it's it's just how you see things vision is what gives you the ability to see what other people can't see and you'll work and walk toward things that other people can't understand because images images that are on the inside of you listen to me carefully now this because this is going to this is going to be important the images that you create on the inside of you are the most powerful things in your life. In other words, what, what, what words that you have had spoken over you, how many of you know the words spoken over you create a vision, they create an image in your life. And when somebody was in your life telling you, you can do this, you are awesome, you are, you are so so capable when they speak those things it builds you up and you get the feeling that you can do anything why because those images are based on a belief system are you with me as a man believes so is he but here your belief systems are built around words how many of you know words are powerful things come on stay with me here i you got to, words are powerful things, but how many of you know not all the words are, are positive? The same potential to, when someone speaks life into you, how many of you know they can speak death over you too? You'll never be able to do that. You'll never accomplish that. You'll never, you'll never be able to reach that goal. People can speak those things. They, they, they can speak things over you that, that create very negative images and negative visions. I, I, how many of you know that when people release words into your life that you need to have your shield up because there's certain things that are spoken to you you need to cast down resist rebuke and and just call them what they are lies because words released into you will set the course of your life the power of life and death is in your tongue and so you can release life in parents as a child in your children. You can release life into them by speaking God's word over them. Words create images. Feelings. How many of you know feelings create images? If you feel like you're worthless, it doesn't matter what the reality is or what the facts are, but if you feel like you're incapable or inept or un, unloved or whatever, feelings, how many of you know your feelings are very strong? There's not hardly any of us here today that our feelings don't really dictate to us where we're at. But how many of you know your feelings are, are, can be deceiving? How many of you know you can feel something and it would be wrong? I'm just here to tell you, some of you are believing things about yourself that are just wrong. The most powerful thing you can do in your life is create an image. You, you know, it, it's, it's, it, remember how God, what did God do when he created Adam? He created Adam in his own image. Remember, we spent some time there. You know what man has been given the capability to do by the very creative power of God? We've been given the ability to, to create images. 
Now, this is not new age. This is, this is the truth. I know the new age has hijacked what I'm going to say here, and I want you to listen to me because don't go out of here saying, man, he's talking some new age junk right there. No, I'm telling you, God is the one who, God is the creative, most creative force and power in the universe. Can you say amen? And why is it that if God is so creative, then we as his people should flow in that same creativity? And yet many of you believe, you know what you believe about yourself? I'm not very creative. You ever said things like that? I mean, if you, you know, because of an image you created in your mind, young, when you were young. And maybe you were a little clumsy because you, when you're young, you're, you can be clumsy, right? And then somebody said over you, well, you're never going to be a very good athlete. You're clumsy. And then you grow up and you know what you say about yourself? I'm just not that outdoor kind of person. Really? What are you basing that on? You're basing that on something somebody said or something you believed or felt that may or may not, in fact, have anything to do with the truth. That's, see, part of what Jesus came to do is he came to align us with the truth. Because the truth is what makes you... And the fact is... There's not hardly anybody here today that's not being limited or contained by some of the very belief systems we've built into our life because of things that have been said over us, said to us. And some of you, let me tell you something else. Some of you, some of you in marriage need to watch your mouth. You're saying to, oh, now I'm going to have to preach a little bit. You're saying to your spouse, see, you'll never change. See, the one thing that you want is what? I want them to change. But with your very mouth, what are you saying? You will never change. See, look at that. You will never change. And what you're doing is you get in agreement with a lie. And when you get in agreement with a lie, you empower the lie. But glory to God, when you get in agreement with the truth and you speak the truth, then you empower the truth to bring about the very thing that you need. That's why sometimes you have to say by faith, you are a man of God, even when he's not a man of God. You have to say that you carry the anointing, even when he's not carrying it, he's carrying the flesh. And by faith, you have to say to those things that are like they're not and say you are a man of God. And you walk in your calling. My wife spoke that to me when I was away from God. And it would irritate me to no end. Because what she was doing was calling me up and out. And what I wanted her to do was curse me. Y'all, why y'all applaud that? I wanted her to curse me. You know Why? So I could get in agreement with that. Because my life was filled with negativity. How come it is we can get an agreement so easily with the negative? But when somebody calls us to our higher purpose and our higher calling, we say, I, I, I just can't see that. 
And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to call you husbands to your highest calling. You are to be men of God, carrying the anointed and the high priest of God to carry ministry to your family. And you're going to walk in your calling. You're going to walk in your anointing. You've got to walk in that destiny. And it's when you break your ties with the enemy. Stop cursing your children. Stop cursing your wives. Start, start believing what God says about you and it's amazing how they'll change. See, I just thought all for years, God, if you just do something with this woman. God, I don't know. I, I, God, you need, to, you need to help this woman. And then God showed me that it wasn't the woman that needed help. It was me. And when I got help, she changed. No, you know, the truth of this thing is when I got help, I changed. You with me? And so images are very powerful things. It's how, how you believe things. It's how you see things. The most powerful thing you can do is create an image. That's why, listen, create an image in your marriage, in your family. Get the image of God, the imprint of God, and the blueprint of God for your family. And then speak it over each other. And when you, when you open your mouth and you start to go against that image, God will prompt you and say, shut up. Because that's what some of the most important thing you can ever do in your marriage is just shut up. Wow, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> Listen, if the most powerful thing you can do in life is create an image and then you're going to grow into that and move into that very image that you create, guess what the second most powerful thing you can do in life is destroy an image. Man, this is so powerful because, see, how many of you know you can, you can come to Jesus and Jesus forgives you of your sins but that's not just the end of it. It's what he's trying to do is create a new you. He's trying to get you to conform to the image of his son. So why? So you don't believe yourself to be a slave to fear. I am a child of God. How many of you feel like that 24-7? But how many of you know that that's how you have to believe and have to keep your eyes on that I am a child of God? Because the most powerful thing you can do is create that image and then move toward it. And the second most powerful thing, you can destroy it by speaking against it. By speaking against the very people that God brings into your life to help you with it. It's funny to me how we avoid the people who could really help us. Sometimes because of our negativity. And we will flock to the people who are really undermining the very thing God's trying to do in our life. It's awful quiet in here. 
felt really good when I, God gave it to me. Listen to me. Now write this down. We become based on what we believe. We become based on what we believe. So if you believe you can, guess what? You can. If you believe you can't, you're right too. You can't. Because what you believe is going to determine what you see. If you believe, you can say to the mountain, be removed. If you don't believe, if you get into unbelief, you make by your very unbelief an agreement with darkness because it's as a man believes. Everybody say believe. Everything you're walking in right now is because of what you believe. If you don't like what you're walking in, quit trying to change what you're walking in. Change your belief. And now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Because if I, once I change my believing, then I change my doing, my living. See, some of you are trying to be better, and all you get is a case of the do-betters, which lasts about 10 minutes until you do worser. So the do, how many have ever, how many have ever just said, oh, I wish I, I need to do better. And then 10 minutes later, you just did the same thing or said the same thing or something worse. Jesus never gives any points for do, for having a case of the do betters. What you have to do is change your belief. Because the, what you're doing is a result of your belief. You got to listen. Now God's doing the Holy Spirit. Let's see if these stairs work. I don't know. I'm supposed to stay up here. So listen. So if you change your belief system. And you, there's only two ways, there's only two sources of your belief. Now, get this, listen to me, church. Your belief system's either anchored in Jesus, or it's in humanism, self. So there's humanism, and then there's God. Humanism, the belief in self, says that basically... You know, you'll be able to get there if you try hard enough and have enough time. But the gospel says that Jesus is the source of everything. And when you come to him, he gives you a new life, a new, whole new nature, a whole new identity, right? Second Corinthians 5.17, which I know I quote a lot. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Say Amen. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. We become based on what we believe. We become based on what you believe. Now, so watch this. You ready? Let's go to this verse that we've been using. If it's not working, did I do something? 
There we go. You have seen what I told or what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. There's the how. Here's what how God did. I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. That's the why. So you see, there's the image he's trying to create that you are you are being bore up on wings of eagles, supernaturally upheld. That God is upholding you. I have to believe that God is upholding me because if I went by my feelings, I don't feel upheld sometimes. In fact, sometimes I say things and I step out and risk and, 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 and faith and say things. And then I go, Lord, that's going to take a miracle. But folks, that's the God that we serve. So if we're not serving a God of miracles, what are we doing? So you've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be. Everybody see the be there? Underline that because that's what he wants you to become. You see, this is the becoming part. He wants you to, he has called you to become a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine and you shall be. Everybody say be. Because what you be is more important than anything in the world. If you're misbehaving, you know why you're misbehaving? It's because of who you be, not because of what you do. So you shall be... A treasure to me, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. I'm speaking these words to sons and daughters this morning. Why? Because God is more concerned about what you're becoming. What are you becoming? What are you becoming? Now, what you're becoming has to do with what you believe. Back up. Therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice. See, if you obey God's voice, you have to do that on a belief system. You have to, first of all, believe God's voice is worthy to be heard. Necessary to be heard. So, that's a belief. I have to believe I have to believe in God and His voice. And if I believe in God's voice, then guess what? I'm always listening for the voice of God. Everybody, listen to me. When's the last time you heard God's voice? I mean, really, God just whispered into your ear His voice. Because that should be a normal occurrence to us as believers. You know why we, you know, I've had people tell me I've never heard the voice of God. You know what the problem is? It's a belief. Because not many people have taught there's really not, there's, there's not, it's not just that, you know, they've even been taught there's no need to hear God's voice. That was for the early church or the, that was for the, you know, that was when Moses was in the mountain and God spoke. Like today we don't need to hear God. I submit to you that if we ever needed to hear God, we need to hear Him today. 
I submit to you for your life's sake. If you ever needed to hear from God, you need to hear for him today. I would submit to you, most of you have been overtaught, overchurched, over served in the things of God, but underserved when it comes to hearing the actual voice of God. Well, let's have another Bible study about that, Pastor Mike. I submit to you, I know I'm considered, you know, people flinch when I say this. I don't think the church needs another Bible study. In fact, I don't, I don't think the great need of the church, I'm going to say this because this is going to get me in trouble too. I don't think the greatest need of the church right now is even to read the Bible. Pastor Mike. No, listen to me. You know what the greatest need of the church is right now? To do the Bible. If you're not doing what you know, what good is going to be reading any more of it? So you can disobey some more? So you can ignore some more? So you can neglect some more? You know how God speaks to us? He speaks to us on the basis of what we did with the last thing he spoke to us. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Y'all know, see, see, y'all don't, don't go away from here and say, Pastor Mike said, don't read the Bible. (sighs) See, that's how people think. They go, that pastor just said, don't read the Bible. No, I said, what you need to do is start doing the Bible. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light into my path. You know how that worked in the Old Testament? I saw this picture in uh, in uh, Young's Encyclopedia. An ink drawing. That they had made from a Hebrew set of shoes. That they strapped onto your feet. And, and it, remember, you ever seen any of those old movies where they, they the, the Middle Eastern shoes, fancy shoes, kind of curled up and had like a horn on them? You ever see those? On the top, it had a candle holder. It had a candle. And so what they did in the dark, because when you walked at night in the dark, you couldn't see what's in front of you. And so they had candles in these shoes. And every step you took lighted the next. It didn't light. See, some of you reading the Bible because you want to know what's going to happen by the end of next year or in 2018 or in, in 2020. But the word is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. What God wants to show you is not what's going to happen three years from now. He wants to show you if you'll just take the next step, here's where you're going to be. And if you'll take the next step, my light's going to shine. And if you'll just keep in step. See, the church stopped taking steps a long time ago and we thought God was going to lay this vista out for us and what he's asking the church to do is hear his voice take the next step and when you take that step you're going to possess and live in what i've given you and if the church would just live in what god has given us we'd be in a different position than we are today (laughs) 
So here's what we do in most churches. Here's the saying. Ram it in, cram it in, for their heads are hollow. Ram it in, cram it in. There's much, much more to follow. And we just keep ramming it in, cramming it in, ramming it in, cramming it in. You know what? What we need to do is just take the next step. Some of you got to break your agreement with a whole entire belief system that some of you got from a religious past. Because if you believe that all of the gifts and all of the, all the manifestations, all the voice of God passed away with the early church, you're in a bad belief system. Because how are you going to be able to know to take the next step if you don't hear His voice? Are you with me? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So what's God saying to you about your next step? What's he saying to us as a church about our next step? See, part of our next step here is if you've been listening, is God calling us out of our isolationism and our individualism and our independence and stubbornness and calling us to accountability and fellowship That in the place of small groups and personal relationships, we can walk this out together. Because I got news for you, ain't none of us got there yet. And so we get together and we come together in city circles. We come together in fellowship and we're able to ask the real things and, and go to the real places and ask, hey, how's your, how's your, how's your marriage? Is your wife happy? Tell me the truth because I'm going to ask her next. Son, you got stammering lips. Hey, tell me about your personal walk. Are you keeping your thoughts clean? Are you winning the battle over your mind? Tell me how's that working? Because I want to be there for you. I want to stand with you. Because if any man sits here, you know that you've got to win that battle here. Because if you lose the battle here, you lose here. And you pretend and you can put all the big show up up front. But God help us when we're robbed of our spiritual power because we're dabbling in stuff that we know we need to be free from. But it's so easy to hide in church. Y'all there today? It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to, to deal with the things. Some of you, listen, we talked last, last week about being ashamed and having a sense of guilt. Can I just tell you that when you, when you obey the voice of God and you walk in His covenant, guess what God begins, the first thing He begins to deal with? Guilt and shame. 
which is a large part of why many of us walk in self-deprecation, which is a fancy word for just you, you, you'd struggle with rejection. I, re- I used to read Reader's Digest. My, first, my favorite part was ways to enhance your word power. I like big words. You know why I like big words? You know, really, you know why? Because I, I, I've had a struggle my whole life feeling like I'm equal to some people who stand behind pulpits, who have letters behind their name. I'm being, can I just be honest and real with you? So I overcompensated because I would try to talk in ways that would put myself where I wasn't out of touch with these very highly educated men. Because in my heart, I was a little envious. Because see, I don't have a MB. I don't have a doctorate. I don't have a PhD. I don't even have a BS. I've been told I'm full of BS, but I don't have a BS. I didn't finish college. I started and dropped out. And so because of my weakness, you see, I tried to overcompensate. I'm just being, because some, just, listen, I'm just being honest with you. And so I thought, well, I can, I can overcompensate for my weakness by talking these fancy words. But here's the thing, you can't change who you are. I'm not sure that, that I even had this guy tell me not too long ago. He said, you know what, Pastor Mike, you should go back to school and get your Ph.D. Because for your years and everything, it wouldn't take you long to get your Ph.D. And I said, but I don't know that I really want a Ph.D. But he said, you should. I said, why? He said, because it'll bring you up in the eyes of the people. I said, well, I kind of struggled with that my whole life. And I think what I've come to after these years, listen to me. What I really want is I want to be brought up in the eyes of the Father. So I'm trying to be more real and trying to be just honest and trying to be transparent and trying to be, just be who I am because I can't be, I can't be professor so and so. I can't be doctor so-and-so. I'm, it's, but if God can use this donkey somehow and get the glory out of it, I'm okay with it. But see, some of you, you're struggling, you're struggling too, but you don't even, you've not even analyzed, why, why do I talk, why do I go at people? Why do I have to attack people? Because you're trying to cover a sense of weakness in your own self. And the people who come across as the most brash and braggadocious and baddest people around, I know because I go to prisons, have done it for 20-something years. The guys who come across as the biggest, baddest guys around, you know what they are? They're the guys who are carrying the most fear. The most insecurity, the most weakness on the inside. So they got to overcompensate by their coming on like, hey, how long has it been since you had your butt whooped? 
like it's been a while. But if you, if you feel like that's going to help you in your position to whoop a 60-year-old man, have at it. But bring a lunch. <laughs> but you see, we all, listen to every one of you, listen to me, every one of you overcompensate in areas. Because you lack a real identity. So when you lack an identity, you've got to try to be something you're not to prove something to yourself as well as to somebody else. And because of that, you are not really being true to who you are. Because many of you are just not being true. God's calling you to a much higher place. Are you with me this morning? Some of you are like... Some of you, you, you carry with you such a, such a wisdom. I knew, a, I knew a guy one time, he did the opposite. Because he was so smart his whole life, he got put down, you know, because he was considered a geek. And so he, he acted stupid while he was the most, one of the most intelligent people I'd ever met. And I said, why, why do you do that? Because you're really a smart guy. And he said, because I know what it's like to be the smartest guy in the room and I got I got bullied because I was smart so I decided a way to protect myself is act stupid but is he being true to his true self some of you sitting here you got hurt in a relationship and so you know what you, you've survived well you know what I'm just gonna. I'm just not gonna have anything to do with anybody anymore. What is that? What is that? It's a form of self-protection. And so you feel like the way to protect myself from any being hurt and vulnerable is to hide myself. I'll never let anybody talk to me like that again. The question isn't really whether they're going to talk to you. The question is, are you being true to who you are? Some of us are not okay with who we are. We feel like we've never had enough, never been enough, never going to have enough, never smart enough, never good enough. Are you with me? So I want you to go quickly. I'm going to close with this. Go to John chapter 4. Give me, can we give me 10 more minutes. Time. Oh, yeah, we got time. We're empowered to believe. Let me, let me go over this real quick. Because I think this is in your notes. This is on the Version app. All of this is on there. We're empowered to believe. Obey my voice. Did I miss one here? Yes. We are hardwired to belong. These are the three Bs. We're hardwired to belong. He said, I brought you to myself. We are empowered to believe, obey my voice, and keep my covenant. We're empowered to believe. that God gives you the ability to believe this about yourself, to believe this about him. And then thirdly, we're invited to become. We're invited to become. Speak to the sons of Israel. You with me? Speak to the sons of Israel. The sons. The sons is an identity. So that's what God wants you to become. A son, a daughter of God. 
He wants you to really believe that and really live like that because that's the key to your joy, your peace, your happiness is going to be in how you, how you become a son and daughter of God and you, you, you're not ashamed of it. Hallelujah. I'm no longer ashamed. Come on. But some of us are. When somebody says, are you a Christian? You hang your head and go, um, why? Because we feel like, you know, we're not doing a very good job at that either. Hello? And instead of walking around like we're the, I mean, listen, we got, we got our sins covered in the blood of Jesus. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We have heaven promised when we die. And then we walk around like, <laughs> why? Because we haven't understood what God's really trying to do in making us the sons of God. First John 1, 12, listen to this, write this, write this verse down. This is not it, this is free. To as many as received him, John 1, 12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power. The authority to become, everybody say become, to become the sons of God. So it's something you have to come into. So like you grow into it. Paul talked about it like you're a child and then you're, you're tutored and you're brought into the, this and you become the sons of God by Walking in the Spirit and hearing the voice of God and you become, you with me? So here, let me get this. So can I, I'm just going to tell you this. Every one of you, when you were very young, had this printed into you that there was something special about you. There was something special about you. That there was something you were going to do that that was going to just be special because you you have this sense it's it's in young people that's it's imprinted in their dna that there's something special in them our young people are all gone today pretty much they're all on their way to winter jam praise god aren't you can thank god you're not in that concert you old people cuz it's loud it's crazy. But you know what I love about young people is that they, they, they get this imprint in them. This is why it's important to reach young people. They say that, that you know, 80% of everyone who gets born again gets born again as a, as a young person. You know why that is? You know why that is? Because the older you get, your heart gets hardened toward the possibilities that your life could be any different. This is what I've been. This is what I'll always be. Woe is me. But we have this idea that there's, there's just something special. But then the older you get, here, listen to this. By the age of 12, listen to me now, by the age of 12, most people have it written into them. Their beliefs and their ideas that they have formed about life and their images about life and their images about their self and their images about God it has been written into them. They've received messages from people. 
from their family, from their friends. You're a freak. You're accepted. You're loved. You're rejected. You're good. You're bad. Don't do that. God doesn't like that. If you do that, God's going to get you. That, how many know when you're told that as a kid, don't do that, God doesn't, you know, how many of you ever said something as a kid and your parents said, if God heard that, he would send you right to hell. And then guess what, when that hat comes out again, guess what they think? Oh, well, I'm doomed. It's a belief system. Where God is, God is not a God of mercy and God of love. He's a God of wrath. He's a God of judgment. God is waiting for you to step out of line. Bam, you're done. Hello? So all your life, your early life, you have this. As you get older, things get set in you and it gets harder and harder to hold on to that uniqueness. Because can I just tell you this? Many of you, many of you, have given up on the idea to be something special and be something different, a special treasure. You're just looking for a way to fit in. Hey, I brought this. Listen, listen to this. This is from a letter. Young lady wrote this. Please, this is her words, not mine. Please tell the fathers how their influence can affect their children's lives. When my father came home from church, he would sit and watch football. He would comment on the cheerleaders. It's the only time I heard him say nice things about women. Is when he was commenting on how pretty the cheerleaders were. So I began to dress like them and act sexy like them so my father would say nice things about me. But it led to sexual promiscuity and all manner of trouble for me. I had the image of what I thought I should be, but I was wrong. See how powerful that is? Some of you sitting here, you're struggling with what makes you different. You're trying to make what makes you different something that you do instead of who. You know why I'm different today? It's because of who I belong to. You know why I stand out in a crowd? Because of who I am, not what I've done. I don't have to be afraid in a room full of PhDs, MDs, or anybody else. Because I know who I belong to. And so this is the struggle many of us have. We struggle with our identity. We all have a strong desire to stand out, but we're dominated by the fear that we don't even fit in. 
The weaker you are in your own sense of belonging, the more difficult we make it for others to join us. In other words, we build walls around ourselves. We isolate ourselves. I can't let you see who I really am because what if you don't like who I really am? But if we're walking in love, then we love people for who they are. Amen. Your disconnection is the basis of your dysfunction. <laughs> Can I say that again? Your disconnection is the basis of your dysfunction. Isn't it funny how when people act up, they always run from the very people who can really help them? They disconnect from the people who are going to help correct them? Hello? That's why I got, I got to give... I got to give people here like, you guys are awesome. Because you put up with some preaching that's really, some, this is some tough stuff sometimes. This is not the, you know, I kind of feel good just because, you know, I'm trying to stroke your ego. This is a real analysis where you got to really look in and go, am I really connected to God the way I should be? Or is all this junk in me something that got to finally be dealt with? And it's amazing as God begins to deal with this stuff in people, they get freer and freer and they don't even understand what God's doing. All of a sudden, everything's better. Everything changes. Everything begins to, and it, it's a process, yes, but everything starts, they start loving people better. They start living better. They start walking better. They start thinking better. They start doing better why because they're getting the inside fixed i'm not interested in a bunch of religious hypocrites who clean the outside of the cup but inwardly there's all this junk religious people will never be comfortable here we'll put you on tilt in a heartbeat But if you really are sincerely looking for God to do something in you, then I think you can come in, pull your feet under the table, and say, Pastor Mike, there's some things that I need fixed. Get real about it. So I'm going to close with John 4. Go in your Bibles to John 4. Here's what it says. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. This is in northern Israel. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was about midday. So he, you know this story, so let's just, let me just go on. I don't have time to make a whole lot of comment here. Then the woman of, wait, back up. Then a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now get this, you gotta, I gotta, gotta put this in context for you. The woman of Samaria came to draw water. Why would, why was the woman there the sixth hour? 
because she was re- she was carrying a great deal of rejection. All the women, it was a social thing. They all went to the well in the morning, got their daily measures of water. It was like a social thing. It, it's 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 just something. It's not just. It, it still goes on today. You ever notice when you go out with a bunch of people, all the women want to go to the bathroom together. Can you imagine a bunch of boys going, hey, let's all go to the bathroom together? What? It doesn't work that way. But here in this social order, the women all went to the well. Why wasn't she with those women? Because she was an outcast. All right? She went to draw water at the sixth hour. She was all by herself. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Here's two problems with this woman. Number one, she was a woman. Say, Pastor Mike, careful now. No, I'm telling you, in that day, in that culture, women were second-class citizens. Jesus was a rabbinical priest. He wore, and that's how she identified him anyway. You got to understand this because she identified him as being a religious Jew because he wore a rabbinical uh, whatever, uh, robe. And here's the thing. Rabbis did not talk to women. That was a cultural thing. You can still see today in the Middle East how women are treated like dirt in a lot of places. Secondly, she was a Samaritan. And look, Everybody look at me. A Samaritan was a half Jew, half something else that lived up in the northern tribes of Israel that remember when Israel went into civil war and split for a while the northern tribes the ten tribes of the northern Israel intermingled with other uh, nationalities and they became half-breeds so this is Samaritan thing is a racial thing how many of you know there's still racial issues going on in our world there's racism in, in the church. It's, it's you know, I'm, but I, I'm not going off on that. But, but let's just suffice it to say that there was racism going on here because she was a Samaritan. And the, here, here's the thing. You know why? You know, what, this is why she said, listen. She goes, give me the drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now watch this. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? Now, she's not a prophetess. She didn't discern he was a prophet or a a rabbi. She saw, she could see it by the way he was dressed. Now, she says, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? You shouldn't even, you Jews don't even talk to us Samaritans. A Samaritan woman. So, you're not just talking to a Samaritan you're talking to a Samaritan woman. You have crossed the you have crossed the line there, buddy. Now look what it says. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. That's racism. Based on their being intermingled. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is, if you just knew who it is. If you just knew who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would ask of him, and he would give you living water. Jesus went to the real need in her life right there. 
What you need is living water. If you knew the gift of God and who it is, you knew who it is, you would ask him a drink and he would give him you living water. Let's go on. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it itself as his sons and his livestock? Now get this. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Where do you get that living water? Where, did you, where does Jesus get this water that quenches a man's thirst and satisfies our deepest longings, our deepest needs? Where does that come from? It comes from Jesus himself, and he is the source of that, and he's the only one who can meet your deepest longings. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's the only one who can fill up everything that's lacking in your life. And Jesus is looking at this woman, and his compassion, and she senses there's something different about this man, because no other man would even talk to me. And he's, he's calling me to something. Something was stirring on the inside. And notice what she says here. Are you greater than our father Jacob I never I never saw this before I've preached this woman at the well many times in 30 years notice what she says here though are you greater than our father our you know what she's done right now she's realized he's not here to reject me every man I've ever known has shunned and rejected me and hurt me and and, and, and isolated me and, and treated me like I'm dirt. Are you greater than our father? She senses there's some connection here that he's not rejected me. Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? You see, Jesus is drawing her out. He's drawing out of her something that was longing on the inside of her. He wanted to deal with her rejection. He wanted to deal with her hurt. He wanted to deal with her inward image that was so downcast. And here's what Jesus says. This is, I love this. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. You know what thirst is? Thirst is dissatisfaction. So let's put that word in there. If you drink from this water, you're going to always be dissatisfied. Come on, the Lord's talking to somebody here today. You've been dissatisfied. You've always been dissatisfied. You haven't been able to find nothing to quench that longing of your heart. Jesus said, but if you drink the water that I give, you will never be dissatisfied again. But the water I shall give him will be in him a fountain of water springing up. Spring up, O oh well, within my soul. Spring up, O oh well, and make me. Y'all didn't even know what you were singing. Make me whole. Because I'm broken. I've faced enough hurt to know I, don't, I can't hardly trust anybody. 
I faced enough rejection. I don't know. I'm afraid to let anybody in. I faced enough walls that I'm tired of trying to climb over. How many of you hear what I'm saying today? I faced enough hurt that I'm tired of going to God and saying, God, help me. But he said, if you drink from me, I'll give you a fountain of living water. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is a move today. This is going to be a different move than we've ever seen before. People are going to walk in these doors completely broken, their lives completely wrecked. They're going to take one drink of Jesus and they're going to run past you because they have connected to the very thing that some of you have played about and played around and played church with. But they are going to take a drink and experience life transformation I say to you church let's not get left behind let's get a drink let's all take a drink of this living water and let it change what's in our lives because we got a lot of folks sitting right here good church people that got a lot of good hurts So the woman says, sir, give me this drink. Give me this drink. I think this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Give me this drink that I may not thirst, that I may not be dissatisfied, nor come here to draw. See, she's a little mixed up. Got the little, she's having a little trouble here. She's not, but it's, it's okay. She, he, she's still kind of leaning toward the natural. He's leaning to the supernatural. She's thinking of the well. He's thinking of something much deeper than the well. She says, I, if I drink this, I'll never have to come back to this well. But here's what she's talking about, church. I'll never have to come back here alone. You know what Robin Williams said? Remember Robin Williams, the actor that took his own life? He said that some people think that to feel alone is the worst thing in the world. But you know what's worse than being, feeling like you're alone? Being around people who make you feel alone. She'd been around people her whole life, but they made her feel like an outcast. They made her feel like a reject. And here Jesus is wrapping his love, his embrace, his acceptance around her. And he says, come to me. She says, sir, give me this drink. Jesus says, go get your husband. She says, husband? Now she's going to get real. This is what happens when Jesus gets, I have no husband. (laughs) I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. For years I've thought about this from a religious mindset. But here's here's what Jesus is saying. You've been trying to find all of your needs met through a man. There's no man ever met your need. No man has ever met your need. And you've said well that no man's meeting my need today. 
But today, you have met the man who's going to give you a drink, and you will never thirst again. See, some of you have, uh, you've had a drink of church, and it's left a bad taste in your mouth. You've had a drink of some Christian people, and it's left a bad taste in your mouth. You know what I say? Spit it out and take a drink of Jesus. And quit looking for people and the church and stuff to do for you what only Jesus can do. I want you to bow your heads with me. Wow, this is the weirdest thing I have ever... I, I tell you, it's like, I, it's like the Holy Spirit is just doing heart surgery. Listen, he's just doing heart surgery on people. I can see it, but he's doing it in such a kind and loving and gentle way. He's trying to remove the abscesses and the growths and the cancerous attachments that have tried to take your joy and take your, your life in directions that God never intended it to be. Because you know you've been called to something special, to be a special treasure. And Jesus has come to sweep you off your feet. But you, you, you're sitting here today and you're going... Man, I wish I could take that. I wish I could believe that. And I'm here to tell you, believe. And you'll see. So while your heads are bowed, Jay, sing that, sing that second verse. Listen to the words of this. Leave behind your regrets and stay. From today, there's no reason to wait. <laughs> Jesus is calling. Come on. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness open wide. was bought with precious blood. precious blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you here today. You're tired of that old life, tired of that old stigma, that old belief system, that old vision and image that's left you empty and dry and dead on the inside. And you're ready to take a drink from the well, the cup that never runs dry, a drink from the well that, that finds your true identity and who you are in Jesus. Listen, some of you, some of you, you say, well, I, I did that, I did that 30 years ago. See, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about where you're at today. Where are you at today? Where is your life at today?
Are you drinking from that well? Are you thriving from the inside in that personal walk and relationship with Jesus? Is not, this invitation's for you too. Because you need to come to the altar. So I'm going to make this easy. Everybody stand. And here we go. Everybody look at me. If you need Jesus to fill this dissatisfaction in your soul, you know what I'm talking about. You are thirsty. You are dissatisfied. You are tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're tired of living out of somebody else's expectations, somebody else's dream. You want your own. Tired of depending on somebody else that has always let you down. You want to come to Jesus drink from that fountain this invitation is for you young or old young the young people today listen young people today are faced with the greatest challenge because they they're looking at a world that tells them drink this drink this do this experience this you know that's what i mean i'm not talking about just alcohol drink this i'm talking about get involved in this give your life to this and all it does is leave the dead-end streets and cul-de-sacs that leave you dead and dry on the inside. Let me tell you, there's only one thing that can satisfy your heart and your soul and your deepest longing today. And that's Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to make him so real to you. It will blow your socks off. So while everybody is looking at me, Going, what my God, is he gonna give an altar call? Yes. This is for everyone who is dissatisfied with your life and where you are and what you're living. I want you to come and I want you to come now. Don't hesitate. I want you to come. I want you to come now. Forget, well, I did this 50 years ago. I don't I, I want you to know where you're at now. Are you dissatisfied? Because you're going to drink today from another fountain. Yeah, come on. Some of you, some of you have been religious and you've been good. You're, you're, you're good. I'm not. It's not about good. It's about drinking from the right fountain. Come on up, people. Spread out here. Just spread. Everybody, spread out. I want the prayer team to come and join me. If you're not satisfied, isn't this beautiful? This is people saying, I'm, I'm not satisfied. This is people saying, I'm not going to just take anything. I want what God has for me. Do you need to be down here? I, I'm waiting just a few more seconds. Do you need to be down here? Do you need to come and drink from this fountain? Come on, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is something that only Jesus can satisfy. Hallelujah. Only the Holy Spirit can do this today. Are you with me? So Holy Spirit, everybody that's standing here, look at me real quick. I just want you to raise your hands as a point of surrender. This is the sign of surrender. Surrender. 
when you raise your hands. And what you're saying by just simply raising your hands is, I'm done. I'm taking my hands off of everything. Lord, it's not worked too good for me to put my hands on anything. So, Lord, I put in my life in your hands. I want to drink from the fountain that you have. Jesus, I renounce everything that I have tried to find my satisfaction, my peace, my joy. I, I renounce my flesh and my own self driven ambitions to lay them at the feet of the cross because at the blood of Jesus my life comes forth from him and today father God I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will flood across this place that the river of God will flow up and in and out of these individuals today river of life touch them heal them Save them. Set them free. In the name of Jesus. Give them the vision, the, the idea, the very purpose that they're here for. Father God, we raise our hands and we say, Lord, fill me. Come on, say it. Say, fill me. Fill me. Just give yourself completely to the Holy Spirit. You may find yourself just to totally swept away. That's okay. Don't fear. Just let the Holy Spirit. This is what He wants to do. He wants to take your life and give you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit move. Holy Spirit move. Holy Spirit move. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Holy Spirit, move. Come on, raise your hands. Don't keep pressing in. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit.